Happy Friday, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to the latest episode of the Frary and Smith podcast. Today, we're continuing our Sunbelt in review series with episode three. We'll be talking about the conference runner-ups, the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. We hope that you've been able to catch the first couple of episodes in our Sunbelt in review series where we spoke with Sunbelt Conference Commissioner Keith Gill about the league's historic season and the myriad of issues affecting college football as a whole. Plus, we also had a conversation with the Troy Messengers, Josh Boutwell, to review the Sunbelt Championship year for the Troy Trojans. If you missed either of those episodes, you can find them by clicking the link in our Twitter bio or by visiting Apple or Spotify in the coming days. You'll definitely want to make sure to check out those episodes. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be diving into each Sunbelt School's 2022 season with the help from the experts who cover them on the ground daily. Today, we'll be talking about the 9-3 and Coastal Carolina Chanticleers who appeared in their first Sunbelt title game since making the leap to the FBS level. It was a season that saw many twists and turns, including the departure of the program's longtime head coach, Jamie Chadwell. It was an interesting year for Coastal Carolina. Me and Noah have a lot of knowledge about the conference, but I think if we could have chosen to be on the ground for any season, just as far as off the field on and, and in the field, news and information, this Coastal Carolina will be a tough one to top. And I think it's great to be able to talk to some experts that were down in Conway who have been there from the start of the Jamie Chadwell era now to the end of it and just have their perspective on it and just in there with the players like Grayson McCall, who's been so great for this program for such a long time. Okay, and I think to your point, at times at the end of the season, it felt like this could be a reality television show with multiple characters. Jamie Chadwell leaving, Grayson McCall going into the transfer portal, Tim Beck being hired. There were so many characters and storylines at the end of the year. But on this episode, we're excited to welcome ABC 15 sports reporter Brandon Dunn, who covers the team on the ground in Conway, South Carolina, to the Frary and Smith podcast to break down Coastal Carolina's honestly chaotic season. Caden, tell our listeners a little bit more about what they will hear on today's episode. Hey, we talk about it all. If you have any questions about Coastal Carolina on the field or off the field from this season, we covered it. We talked about anything from their defensive struggles to the coaching changes and how that might have affected the end of the season, the transfer portal and its relevance to this team. And I'm not going to save, I'm going to save my breath on this one and then introduce it because I think this interview, particularly out of all of the ones we've done, speaks for itself. Really excited to have Brandon Dunn on the podcast, longtime sports director at the ABC affiliate in Conway, South Carolina. Brandon, thanks for taking some time out of your schedule. Appreciate it, fellas. Blessed to be here. Well, let's jump right in. It was, you know, kind of a weird season for Coastal Carolina. It started with six straight wins, but ended with three lopsided losses, including in that conference championship game. Jamie Chadwell departs after that game. What are your biggest takeaways from this season, Brandon? You know, it was the uh, tale of pretty much two seasons in terms of how this year went. Um, you know, as you alluded to the first couple of games, you know, the team looked pretty good. Uh, there was some hiccups along the way during those six wins, but for the most part, they were playing good football offensively. Uh, you know, anytime you've got a player like Grace McCall, you're going to have success. Um, they've got talented receivers that helped out the cause. Of course, the running back situation was uh, touch and go there for a while in terms of who was going to play and who was out, and who was in. I think the defense had some issues that just weren't foreseen early on that would come back and bite them toward the end of the season. Um, once you got down to that end of the year, 
they just ran into a buzzsaw. Uh, and, and let's be honest, the whole Jamie Chadwell talk affected this team in a lot of ways down the stretch. Uh, I know a lot of people say, you know, that wasn't a distraction in the locker room. Well, that that's not necessarily the case. Uh, when you have players that are on social media and they hear all this talk about, hey, is coach leaving? Is coach going? What's the situation? And so on and so forth. I think that affected them uh, in some way. And, and let's be honest, James Madison was the better team uh, in terms of, of what they faced in that game uh, up there in Virginia. The the Dukes are were the team that were the champs uh, in this division. And, and that showed that Saturday up there, uh, in Virginia, when they when they had to play them, they were the better team that day, and they showed it. They just couldn't play for the championship. And then, of course, Troy, um, they just kind of seemed like they uh, just were prepared. Um, even though Grayson played that game, they just didn't really wake up. I mean, when you're down thirty-one nothing before you hit the hit the end zone, that's a hard that's a hard uh, thing to come back from. And then the bowl game was just a completely different situation altogether. Yeah, Brandon, this was not a perfect team by any means. I think you can look back and it wouldn't be very hard to argue that the 2020 and the 2021 teams were a lot more dominant. Yet, week in and week out, if you look especially at the beginning of this season, this team continued to handle business. It feels like they just kind of got good at just the art of winning football games. It didn't matter how they did it, particularly in the beginning of the season, but they'd make it happen. What would you attribute their success this season to? I mean, I don't think you have to look much further than Grayson. Um, you know, when you have a quarterback of that caliber that – has won three consecutive conference player of the year awards and the way he navigates this offense. Uh, it's easy to see where their success lies. You know, they've got really good receivers, as I alluded to earlier. And when you have that in a somewhat good running game, when those guys are healthy, you're going to be successful. And I think they were able to make a few stops on defense early on to help that success. Uh, again, I, I think the defense played well enough early on to help them out and wins over Army and some of those other early games. Um, but I think as the season progressed, coaches, opposing coaches, could see that that was somewhat of their liability and they attacked it and it ended up hurting Coastal in the ends um, was their lack of being able to stop people uh, and then relying on their offense to have to pretty much win the game for you in a track race. And that just, that's really not their MO, but they were successful in a lot of things that they did early on um, that helped them bolt out to that early lead or that early, early success. Now, Brandon Coastal, they were scheduled to play at Virginia in week 12 prior to those unfortunate events in Charlottesburg. Then they played James Madison the following week to end the regular season. They were embarrassed in Harrisonburg without Grayson McCall then the next week, you play Troy, and you lose by a wide margin again. You briefly mentioned it earlier, but do you feel like all of the distractions and the noise got to this program down the stretch? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you're talking about young men that, you know, they're, they're still in their minds. Social media is a big thing. I know they talk about how they try to avoid social media and things along those lines. But you still hear things, you know, you still see stuff and you still know that people are talking about whether or not your coach is going or is he staying? What, what's the deal with with Jamie? And yeah, there was a lot of distractions at the end of the season. And that really affected this team in terms of what they were trying to accomplish down the stretch. 
Now, you also have to look at the fact, too, that they played the competition at the end of the season that was a lot better than what they had played early in the year. Um, you know, Troy was Troy. They won 11 games or 12 games in their bowl game. James Madison, as I alluded to, was the better team in this division, was the best team in this division, and uh, easily could have gone to Troy and, and beat Troy and won this whole thing. Uh, they were that good. They had a lot of really good uh, upperclassmen, senior, uh, senior-related football team. Um, so, but I, I do think that the Chadwell talk was a was a major distraction. I know they don't really want to say that was, but I think it it was. And Brandon, you were down there for the Birmingham Bowl, Birmingham Bowl game. Coastal took on Eastern Carolina, which obviously didn't end the way that the team wanted to. But what was the message down there for with Coach Staggs leading that team before the game? And kind of what was the mood and the energy overall after the game? Just what were the vibes like? Because a lot of teams like to kind of use that bowl game as momentum into the next year. And it's kind of really going to be the lasting impression or taste in the mouth of that Coastal fan base and that Coastal program. You know, stepping into that situation that, that Chad did and handling the situation the way he did, he did the best he could in terms of what you need to do to prepare a football team to play in a bowl game, but that's really not Chad's uh, MO. You know, he's a defensive guy. And when I asked him about his preparations in terms of what he was going to do uh, to prepare his team, this team for this bowl game, he said, you know, I- I'm the head coach, so to speak in interim, but I'm really focused on just what the defense is doing. I'm going to let Willie handle what the offense is doing. And when it comes down to making a major decision, so to speak, uh, obviously that will come down to me. But you could tell it was two different parts. It was offense doing their thing, defense doing their thing, and there was no really middleman, as they would say, uh, per se, in in what a Jamie Chadwell would do in terms of being that middle guy. Um, but hats off to, to Staggs and, and what he did in terms of preparing this team. You know, they wanted to win. Obviously, everybody goes to a bowl game. They want to win. They wanted a ring. Uh, they wanted to bring home that championship. They knew that if they could beat East Carolina, it would help out their resume, so to speak, and uh, build momentum going into next year. But there were so many questions going into that game uh, in terms of, is Grayson coming back? Um, what's the status of these guys? Uh, what, you know, what's Beck going to bring to the table? Because obviously he is already hired. And that was a different situation in itself, having uh, Stags be the interim, but the the heir apparent, the, the coach that's that's going to take over this program at the bowl game is at the bowl game uh, as a spectator, you know, tr- and watching this whole thing unfold. Uh, it was quite interesting. I've never seen that in the 25 years of, of covering uh, sports uh, as a sports director in the nine years, obviously, I've been here in Myrtle Beach. But, um, you know, the vibe after the game obviously was disappointments. Um, hurt uh, a, a lot of uh, a lot of crying in the locker room and, and rightfully so because a lot of those guys knew that uh, if they were staying at Coastal Carolina the the coaching staff was going to be a lot different things were going to be different not what they were the last two years that saw them rise uh, to where they were uh, in, in terms of uh, college football so um, you could sense that uh, it's something different coming up uh, Coach Beck's going to bring a little a different dimension to what Coastal is going to be like, a lot different than what we've become accustomed to seeing over the last two or three years. Will that translate to the success they've had over that span? That's a question that's, that, that still needs to be answered. But um, I, I think the direction of the team and, and the way they're heading is, is the right direction. 
Um, you know, they want to compete in the Power Five. They, they want to be in the conversation for the playoff. I think if the expansion of the playoff uh, goes the way it's going, uh, they'll have that opportunity if they continue to recruit and do what they need to do uh, and keep the players around. Obviously, having Grayson come back is a major plus. But I think the program's going the right direction. Yeah, I think to your point, you know, it did feel like those last four or five weeks of the year, it kind of felt like a reality TV show at some point with all these different characters. Um, you know, Jamie Chadwell left for Liberty and truly he leaves, you know, quite the mark of success on this program, his ability to shift the culture and most importantly, his prowess for winning football games. Uh, Brandon, in your mind, what will his legacy be uh, after this incredible run at Coastal Carolina? Well, it's completely different. You know, you've had three head coaches in the span of 20 years for Coastal Carolina. You know, uh, Coach Bennett was the one who started this thing from the ground up, built it up to where it was very successful uh, at at the level they were playing at prior to playing in the in the uh, FBS. You know, they were really good in the FCS. They made the playoffs every year. Um, they were uh, in the top 25 most of the time. They were in the top 10 in the country uh, in, in terms of what they were doing on the football field. And, and then, of course, you know, then they bring in Moglia, who took it a, another step up in terms of preparing this team through the transition into the FBS. Um, had some success, had some bumps in the road, but that was that was expected. You know, there's not a lot of uh, James Madison's out there that are going to make the jump and be successful right out of the gate. And, uh, you know, Coastal had some uh, things they had to do to, to prepare themselves. But I think uh, once they made the shift to Jamie and bringing that offense they brought here with Willie Korn and those offensive guys, those coaches, you could see the the wave was building, and, and Jamie just took it to the top of the mountain. You know, he had some stumbles there along the way at the beginning of, of this building process, which was expected uh, when you're making the transition a little bit more. And they hadn't gotten to the full scholarships of the 85, and they were still trying to figure out what players we need to bring in to compete at this level, the Sun Belt, to be competitive. But you could sense that he was coming. And, um, you know, you look at Jamie, you have to say that in terms of success, it's he's the top. He, he's the top of the mountain in terms of what uh, the coachings that have, the coaches that have come through this program. I mean, he's the staple at this moment because he brought this team to the, to the forefront, made them a national brand. Um, you know, college game day came here. BYU came here. Um, people started looking at Coastal Carolina a little differently, um, and and they won ball games. I mean, outside of Alabama, Georgia, and a few others, they had the most success of any program over the three year spans. And that's that's a uh, that's the success that Jamie and his coaching staff have. So you got to say that that Jamie's up there as the number one spot right now. And then just after Jamie left and announced he was going to Liberty Coastal Carolina, hires NC State offensive coordinator Tim Beck. From what you've seen around being around him and what you've heard about him just being in the program so far, what do you expect this Coastal team to look like next year under his direction, just based on what you've seen so far with him being in the program? You know, I don't think they're going to skip a beat in terms of what the foundation of this program is, and that's BAM, um, be a man, which Mowgli has set up, and that's still the philosophy of this of this football team. Uh, I don't think that's going to change because since Mowgli is still virtually runs the football department, uh, so to speak, in his role. So I don't think things are going to change now. Will the wins be where they've been over the last couple of years? That's yet to be determined. Um, you know, Tim's going to bring a different offense 
that these players are going to have to get accustomed to, to doing. Now, if you're a wide receiver, if you're a tight end, or you're you're a guy that's in the passing game, uh, you're going to benefit from this. Grayson's going to benefit from this offense that he's going to bring. I think the offense is going to be a little bit more different. I think we're going to see a lot more uh, in the passing game than maybe we've seen uh, in Jamie Chadwell's offense. They're not going to run a lot of the different things that they did in terms of of the running backs and things along those lines. I think it's going to be a more um, pass-happy offense. Uh, but I believe that you know the foundation is, is definitely there for, for Tim to build on. And what I've seen from him so far, uh, it's been very limited that I've really had a chance to be around him. I've talked to him uh, quite a few times. Uh, he's an old school football coach, you know. Um, he's pretty grind it's to the to the point, grindstone kind of guy. Let, let's let's get out there, let's get it done. Um, his personality is a lot different than Jamie's. Um, Jamie's personality, he was he was more um, open and more uh, laid back, so to speak, when it came to us, uh, the media. Tim seems to be more. Uh, zoned in about what he's doing, not not necessarily saying that his, um, you know, he's not he, he he's not a, a fun guy to be around. Um, I, I just haven't seen that out of him yet, but I haven't been around him that much. Uh, he may be, who knows? Um, but I know that it's two different coaches that uh, that are that are running this program. One that we see at Liberty now to to where Beck is coming in now. You know, as we start to transition to talk a little bit about, you know, into the offseason, Grayson McCall made an interesting decision to enter the transfer portal but still play in that bowl game. Then he withdrew from the portal and announced he's coming back to Conway for another season. What's your assessment of that situation and the decisions that he made following the conference championship game? Uh, you know, I, I wasn't surprised that he put his name in the portal given what he's accomplished at Coastal Carolina. I mean, the guy has pretty much done everything. Um, he's won three consecutive conference player of the year awards. He, he's won every award you can, you can imagine in terms of what the Sun Belt gives out. He's an all American, uh, by many publications. Uh, he holds almost every school record. He's the standard of what coastal football is. He, he's the guy, um, that, that everybody looks at when they talk about coastal Carolina, he's laid back. He's a good dude. Um, he's fun to watch. Uh, so I wasn't surprised that he entered the portal, given that he wanted an opportunity to kind of see what was out there. And and you can't blame the kid for doing that. Uh, you know, he felt like he could go to a power five program and be successful. And there was a lot of people out there that thought he could. There was some that weren't quite sure. Uh, he tested the waters, so to speak. And um, and they they he, he determined that it was better for him to come back uh, to Coastal and, and finish it out here. I know that the coaching staff at Coastal, I know Coach Beck was really um, trying to put the hardcore press on him to return, uh, but not so much that it was bugging Grayson. You know, he didn't want to be that guy. Uh, but I think that that in the end, he, he saw what he had here, and he, and he, and he saw what Beck was going to bring in terms of an offense, um, that it was probably the right deal for him to come back and, and finish things here as, as a Sean Eclair because – Let's be honest, he, he is the Sean Clear. He is the guy. And um, he loves it here. He always has. Uh, you know, they say that uh, he, he pisses Teal, and obviously he, he does because, you know, he comes back. And uh, I think the bowl thing for him was, you know, he wanted to finish. Um, he wasn't sure at that point, I don't think, that he was going to come back. He wanted to go out there with his brothers. Um, 
you know, he loves those guys and he wanted, he wanted to compete with those guys. If, if in fact that was his last time uh, to play in a coastal uniform, he wanted to go out as a winner. And that's just what he is. He's a winner. Um, he, he's won, you know, how many games here at coastal almost 30. And uh, you know, I don't blame him for going out there and playing. Uh, obviously he got hurt and it was a scary moment. Um, I'm glad that uh, he's uh, somewhat healthy right now uh, that he was able to come out of that game because the way he landed on his head, it, it didn't look good uh, at first. And, and, you know, hopefully the back is not a, a bad situation. He can, he can rehab that and doesn't have to have surgery on that. Cause that, that would be a, a major setback for him and, and this program. Um, but uh, you can't blame him for playing. Um, and, and I know a lot of people are going to ask him, Hey, why don't you play in the bowl game? Well, because he wanted to win. He wanted to be out there with his brothers. Um, you know, he saw the value of being out there and uh, hats off to him for wanting to go out there and play. Yeah, it's no question that they're definitely happy to have him back in Conway and the other schools across the Sumble are definitely were kind of not not as happy to have him return to the team. But we talked about and touched on it a little bit earlier, Brandon. It's no secret that this offensive scheme under Coach Chadwell was a very unique one and one that was very hard to stop. And Grayson McCall knew that system like the back of his hand, but Tim Beck does not run that offensive scheme. How do you see that transition going, especially with Grayson McCall being such an integral piece of this offense and the success over the years and him just having to get accustomed and up to speed to a new system. You know, anytime you, you change offenses, you change things around the terminology is going to be uh, different, but for the most part, a lot of the aspects uh, of the offense um, in, in some parts are going to be what he's accustomed to. Now, when you're talking about, you know, the language and uh, the play calling and things along those lines, those will be a little bit different, obviously for him uh, in this new system. But he's a smart player, and he'll pick it up relatively fast. Um, knowing Grayson, he's probably already been working on it for, for weeks uh, and, and trying to learn the system along with the rest of the offensive guys. It'll be somewhat of an interesting transition for him, but I don't think it's going to be one that's going to affect his team in terms of what they want to accomplish. Uh, I think that in terms of what Grayson wants to accomplish – and his goals for reaching the NFL, which obviously is what he wants to do, this offense may be actually a, a tad bit better for him in terms of reaching that goal. Um, Jamie's offense, as you alluded to, uh, was a lot different than what a lot of coaches run in this country and uh, not necessarily what NFL teams run. So I think Beck's system is going to be more toward his liking in terms of what he needs to do to prepare for the next level and, that, and that's to be drafted and, and play uh, and play in the national football league. So I think it's actually going to be uh, better for Grayson uh, in terms of what this offense does for him. Yeah, I will echo that Brandon for the moment I saw the hire. I thought that it made sense for Grayson to stay in Conway. And as the transfer portal talk went on, it, it really did to me start to make sense for him to stay. Uh, let's talk about freshman phenom Jared Brown. He's a player that's committed to be back with this team next year. He had a monster year, both in the pass and run game for the shots. He looks like one of the most explosive weapons we've seen, you know, in recent history for Coastal Carolina. In your years covering Coastal football, have you ever seen a freshman have as big of an impact as he did this year? The answer to your question is no. Um, they've had some really good freshmen that have come in and, and done well, uh, but nothing to the level that Brown did. Uh, not just in a passing game, but, you know, in the run game, uh, returns, just all around talent. Uh, this kid's got it all. 
and if you look at him, you, you would you'd be like, wow, that, that guy. Um, but you, then again, you know, uh, last year prior to to this fall, he was playing you know high school football. So you know, it takes a lot a little bit of time to transform your body and get get to get to playing in the in in college football. But now he's a special he's a special kid, um, special talent, uh, a huge plus to what this football team wants to do from an offensive standpoint. My concern is his health right now. Um, you know, Coastal doesn't necessarily talk about injuries. And when they do, they say it's a lower body injury or an upper body injury. Um, that's usually what their MO is. They don't get into specifics. But I'm curious to see uh, what his injury was during the bowl game. Um, you know, that was a pretty nasty late hit uh, that he took. And it it took two uh, two trainers to to help him get to the locker room. It didn't look good. Um, I'm not sure if it was a knee and ankle, what it was, but he wasn't moving around very well during the bowl game. Uh, again, I don't know what the status of of he uh, of what he is right now. I'm still in the process of trying to to get that information, and um, so far I've been kind of shut out, which makes me believe that uh, uh, it may be a little bit more than than what we think it is. I'm hoping that's not the case, but. Um, Going back to your original question, yeah, he's a he's a special player, and he is going to be uh, a dominant guy moving forward. He's going to be one of those guys that has an opportunity to get more accolades. I mean, freshman All American, uh, conference freshman player of the year. Uh, I mean, what else? What else could you say uh, for a guy that's a freshman? You know, and uh, with Grayson coming back, his numbers are only going to be better. Uh, that in in fact, that entire receiving core is going to be returning for the most part, uh, Tyson Mobley. And then Sam Peatney yesterday said he's coming back for another year. So they've got a lot of their big weapons that are coming back in the, uh, in the, in the passing game. And that sets up well. I'd hope Jacob Jenkins comes back. I know he's in the portal right now. They're tied in who had a phenomenal season as well. Uh, I, I hope that, you know, he, he decides to come back. I'm not sure if he will or not. Uh, he's in the portal. Uh, he had a big year. And if you add him, uh, that's just going to make this offense more dynamic. And in the run game, you got almost all those guys coming back. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. But yeah, Jared Brown's a special kid. He definitely established himself as one of the premier weapons coming back, returning into the Sunbelt Conference next season. And you talked about his frame. It's definitely going to be exciting to see if he does put on some weight this offseason and gets to develop a little bit more how much greater of a weapon he could possibly be for this offense. But on the defensive side of the ball, we talked about it before. They struggled a little bit all season. And I feel like at times in the beginning of the season, that might have been masked by the t- team's ability to win games. But we saw three straight lopsided losses at the end of the year. What would you attribute some of those defensive struggles to this season? And what do you think it's going to take to turn things around next year on that side of the ball? Oof, uh, that's a good question. Um, the secondary really toward the end of the season got torched. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, those guys um, struggled and teams took advantage of it. And it began with, uh, with James Madison I think it actually began a little bit before that. You know, injuries played a part uh, in that as well. Uh, Jordan Strong uh, was hurt most of the season. He had some he had some upper body issues. Uh, Lance Boykin, you know, he had some struggles as well. I'm not quite sure how much of the NFL talk and him deciding to to leave and, and prepare himself for the NFL draft. I don't know how much that was a distraction for him in terms of preparing each and every game uh the secondary in terms of safety safeties um you know they, they just weren't as as strong on the back end as they had been in previous years 
and that really played a played a part. And I, I think also their struggles to get to the quarterback from a defensive line perspective really hurt them as well. They were able to do so early on in the season, but I think toward the end of the year, they really had some struggles putting pressure on opposing quarterbacks and letting any quarterback, I don't care who you are, sit back there and have as much time as you want. You're going to eat up a secondary. And unfortunately that's what happened. But I think injuries played a part down the stretch. Uh, I think mental, mentally, they probably weren't all in uh, some of those guys. Um, But, you know, you just could sense that it was a different defense and, and, you know, Stags and I had some conversations and he was, he was just as, as dumbfounded as anybody about what some of the issues were um, and, and trying to fix those issues. Um, but it was definitely an issue and something that they need to correct. I know they got a new defensive coordinator coming in, so we'll see what corrections they make with the new guy on board and uh, you know, what the directions they, they go and how much portal guys they take, how many defensive guys will they take out of the portal? Uh, that'll be something else to watch in terms of what, they want to accomplish next year uh, on the defensive side, but there's no doubt they've got some they've, they've got some uh, some things they need to to correct if they're going to be successful next year. Well, Brandon, we've really enjoyed having you on. We're going to leave you with this: with the turnover on the coaching staff, multiple key departures, as we've been talking about. If you had a crystal ball, how do you foresee next season going for the Shants? Because right now it feels like it could go in any number of directions. Yeah, um, there's no doubt. Uh, you know, the schedule was released yesterday. We all, we, a lot of us already knew that they were going to UCLA to open the season, uh, playing the Rose bowl in early September. You know, that's going to be a, a tough challenge, especially going across country, uh, preparing for a team that that's coming off a fantastic season. You know, obviously, um, the Bruins are, are, are getting back to playing winning football. So that's going to be tough. Uh, then you come back and you got two home games. You got Jacksonville state. He will obviously have some success this year. That's going to be tough. Duquesne, we'll see what happens in there. And then, you know, you look at what you have from a um, home standpoint in your in your conference. The good thing is you got James Madison coming to your place. You got Marshall coming to your place. You don't take on Louisiana. You're not playing them at all. Um, so you're not playing South Alabama. So they're off your schedule as well. So, I mean, there's some winnable games. Even the road tests are, are – are, uh, Challenging, but not not overbearing uh, in terms of what they have to who they have to play on the road in the conference. So you know this team has been successful three years, and and they're going to go into next year saying you know we're we're still we're still the top dog. We're still the the conference um, division champs. Uh, we still finish second in the conference until somebody comes along and knocks us off. You know we're we're still the team to beat, and I think that's their mindset going into next year. Will that translate to them winning nine, ten games? I don't know. Uh, I don't think it will, in my personal opinion. Um, I think they have too many uh, issues they need to correct on defense. Now, if they do that over the course of six months and get some guys in there that they're going to change things in terms of a pass rush and in their secondary, then that they might. Um, from an offensive standpoint, they're going to be good. Let's be honest. that They've got all their weapons back uh, from an offensive line standpoint. A lot of those guys come back. I know losing Willie Lampkin hurt them at center, but they've got a guy coming in, Evan Jumper, who's from Myrtle Beach, who played at Furman, uh, who uh, is very talented. I, I believe he's going to step in that role at center. 
Uh, so their offensive line is going to be good. Moish is coming back. He came out of the portal and decided to come back. That's going to be helpful. Uh, so I, I think from an offensive standpoint, they're going to be good. It's how they correct the things on defense. But I still believe they're going to be in that process to win seven, eight games next year. Um, if they get things corrected, they may have an opportunity to win 9-10. Well, it's definitely going to be an interesting offseason in Conway. Brandon, we appreciate you giving your insight here. It's, it's been very valuable and definitely looking forward to seeing if they can make some of those changes happen over the offseason and head into next year as one of the favorites in the Sun Belt. But we appreciate your time today. Thanks, fellas. I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, have a great New Year's. Brandon was a lot of fun to talk to, Kate, and he brought a lot of great insight. I loved hearing his thoughts on just the growth of Grayson McCall over the last couple of years. It was interesting to kind of hear him put into perspective Jamie Chadwell's legacy as the head coach of Coastal Carolina as well. It definitely was. There's no question that Jamie left his mark on this program. We thought for a second that Grayson had left his mark and was going to move on, but his decision to come back, and I think him in tandem with Tim Beck, is going to be one of the more interesting off-season and in-season storylines. We know that Grayson knows his offensive scheme like the back of his hand, and now that he has to learn a new one, it's going to be very interesting to see him run in this offense that's a little bit different than what he's used to and more of an NFL-tier, NFL-caliber type of offensive throwing style. So very excited about that and just glad we got to talk about it a little bit with Brandon. Yeah, it's interesting when you look at this Coastal Carolina team, there were so many questions throughout the year on defense, and particularly at the end of the season, they looked like they ran out of gas. But, Caden, as you look ahead to next year, they're bringing back that stable of running backs. You've got Grayson McCall coming back. And now I think what becomes very interesting is the health of Jared Brown. We heard Brandon talk about that injury that he sustained in the bowl game, and it's going to be something important to keep our eyes on as we head into the offseason. Yeah, and I think the health of this Coastal team is going to be a big part of their season next year. They're losing some of their star guys. So when you have a guy like a Jared Brown, like a Grayson McCall, who go down in these games, these big type of bowl games, you have to wonder what that looks like next season during the season if you lose guys like that. This year, we got to see what this team looked like without Grayson McCall. Hopefully, you don't see that next year, but it is something that comes with this game. And I feel like if you look at all these teams in the depth of their rosters, maybe this Coastal team is one there. Yeah, you look at their starting lineup, they might have what you need, but when you get down to it, you might have a couple injuries, a couple guys get banged up, and you need some people to fill in going to be very interesting to see how their depth looks next year and how some of these younger guys are going to probably have to step up at some point yeah it's really interesting we talked obviously about Troy in our last episode and now Coastal Carolina these were the two best teams in the conference or the two teams that played in the championship game and both of these teams have a lot of question marks as we head into the offseason but if you caught our episode on Wednesday, we spent some time at the end of that episode handing out some end-of-the-year awards. We're going to hand out a freshman MVP, a defensive and an offensive MVP, and then coming back, we'll hand out our team MVP. There's, you know, I'm not going to give any spoilers, but you probably know who that's going to be already. But the other note that I wanted to make, you couldn't double up in these awards, so you could only win one award. And Caden, we're going to give you the chance to hand out our freshman MVP for Coastal Carolina. Yeah, freshman MVP is the guy who's the freshman MVP for the entire conference, the Sunbelt Freshman of the Year, a guy that we talked about in depth on this episode. None other than freshman wide receiver Jared Brown. He ends the season with 49 catches, 789 yards, and six touchdowns, and was also a big contributor in the run game. He ended the season as Coastal's fourth leading rusher with 187 yards and a touchdown. He was a big part of their run game as that pitch guy on jet sweeps and things like that, and I think it'll be very interesting to see how he looks in this new Tim Beck offense. He might not be as much of a running option, but maybe we 
see him be more of a highlight receiver option. Maybe we see him in the slot, see him out wide, and we'll see what kind of season he has next year, bouncing off of that great freshman season he had. Yeah, Kane, I have to admit, that one might have been the easiest freshman to pick of all of these teams that we will preview over the next couple of weeks. Uh, That one felt like low-hanging fruit, so you definitely got that award uh, correct. But for defensive MVP, Caden, it was a little bit more challenging. There was a lot of moving parts on this coastal defense, uh, a lot of talent on that side of the football. But, Caden, we had to go with a guy in Gerard Clark who has been there since the start of the Jamie Chadwell era. He came back this year and became one of the best big men in the middle. He truly is a force to be reckoned with. It's hard to move him uh, away from the football. He's so good in the run game. 41 tackles, 10 TFLs, three and a half sacks this year. Also got to the quarterback five times. Gerard Clark will be our defensive MVP after what was one of the best defensive seasons we've seen at that nose guard position in a while. He's one of the best guys in this conference history, I think, in the last couple of years at plucking those gaps. As someone who was cheering for App State in that game versus Coastal, I have memories of him just in the backfield, in the A-gaps, clogging things up and mucking things up. So a great season for Gerard Clark, and hopefully he does great things in the Senior Bowl coming up and in his NFL future. But for offensive MVP, I have to give it to a guy who just joined this team recently in Sam Pickney, the wide receiver. 71 catches, 996 yards, and three touchdown catches. Kind of underwhelming touchdown stats if you look at it, but if you look at his season, he was just truly the most reliable target this team had game in and game out no matter who was playing quarterback for this team you can kind of tell that the backups that had to play in place of Grayson McCall trusted this guy the most he always made the most of his opportunities his catches that he got this year and he was a big part of this pass game outside of a Jared Brown who was more of an explosive option more of a fun toy to play with but this guy Sam Pickney was so reliable for them and him coming back to this team next year will be huge yeah, I think that is a is a great point there. They've got two very good wide receivers in Jared Brown, Sam Pinckney coming back. Pinckney just four yards away from a 1,000-yard season. You have to imagine if Grayson McCall had played all year long, he probably would have reached that plateau. There was only three guys in the league that did. Well, Caden, we've saved the best for last. I guess like Jared Brown as the freshman MVP, this was low-hanging fruit as well. Uh, our team MVP for Coastal Carolina was Grayson McCall. And at times this year when he was not playing Caden, we really realized how important he was for Coastal Carolina when he wasn't on the field. This was a team that at times looked very lost on offense. He knew that offense like the back of his hand. Three-time Sunbelt Conference Player of the Year at this point. He put up 2,700 passing yards and 30 total touchdowns. Six of those came on the ground, including that rushing touchdown in the bowl game. And Caden, here's the kicker. Just two interceptions on the year for Grayson McCall. He was outstanding once again. He's a model of efficiency and he's the model of this team. He's literally the heartbeat of this team. He's the face of the franchise. And you don't have to do much explaining as far as why he was this team's MVP. I know Conway was very happy to have him returning coming back from the transfer portal and we'll see if he can do it again have another year where he's the conference player of the year and keep doing these numbers again and again and again so he gets one more ride at it and we're super excited to watch him perform next year and hopefully maintain this level of success he's been maintaining for these past three seasons at Coastal well we will definitely be keeping up with the Shanta clears uh during the off season and excited to see what happens in Conway South Carolina well that will do it for another great episode of the Frary and Smith podcast again we'd like to say a special thank you To ABC 15 sports reporter Brandon Dunn for joining us for today's conversation. Before you go, don't forget that we'll be back with the fourth episode in our Sunbelt in Review series on Monday. We'll review the transitory 2022 season for the James Madison Dukes. Special guest Shane Metlin, who covers the Dukes for the Daily News record in Harrisonburg. 
will stop by to provide some inside analysis on this year's team. Again, thank you for taking time to listen today. If you like what you heard on this episode of the Freary and Smith podcast, make sure to subscribe to the show on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify so that you never miss another episode. And if you'd be so kind, leave us a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. We love hearing what y'all think about the show. Finally, take a moment to follow the show on our Twitter page at at Smith for all the latest Sunbelt football news and notes. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.